Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Live stream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today. Hada! Your Grace! I know that you want to listen to Binge Mode, but Binge Mode has adult content and... Good. You should head to bed. I'm not tired! And now, Binge Mode. And now you're going to share it with me. The deep wisdom you found inside the head of a bird. People work together when it suits them. They're loyal when it suits them. They love each other when it suits them. And they kill each other when it suits them. She knows it. You don't. Which is why you'll never hold on to her. Hello, and welcome to Binge Mode. I'm Mallory Rubin, deputy editor of TheRinger.com. And joining me today, now that he's finished battling a bear with a wooden sword. Fuck that bear up. It's Ringer staff writer and your maester, Jason Concepcion. I would fuck that bear up. Give me a wooden sword. Let's fucking go. You're an animal lover, and I think you have nothing but kindness and cuddling in your heart. (laughs) That's right. Jason. Yes. We owe a debt. Yeah. We have promised, we have sworn to rewatch all 60 episodes of Game of Thrones, deep diving one episode at a time, and we still have more than half of the series to go. So, spoiler warning for all of you, we will be going deep deep on details from the show and the books from this season and beyond. Do your best Ron Burgundy impression and Jump into this bear pit with us. <laughs> it's time to break down season three, episode seven The Bear and the Maiden Fair. All right, Jason, we do not want anyone mistaking the nearest windmill for a castle. Can't right. have mistakes like that. Gotta get the facts straight. Did so. the Lord build that? <laughs> wow. Okay. We're going to get the information straight here for, for all of you and for Egret. So we are going to offer a brief refresher. And what actually happened in this seventh installment by taking a quick trip down our own King's Road? In the north, now south of the wall, John and Egret chat about warfare in the Seven Kingdoms. John tells Egret that Mance's attack on the wall is doomed to fail, as all previous attempts have. They're getting an earful, meanwhile, from that asshole Oral, the warg. <laughs> Osha grumbles about Jojen. All he does is sit with Bran. He doesn't do chores. Talks about magic shit. <laughs> Jojen breaks the news that they aren't going to Castle Black, actually. They need to go beyond the wall. They need to find the raven. Osha's like, no. I fought a white once. It was bad. Yeah, he also was my husband. He was my husband. I had to burn our house down around him. I am not going there. Oh, man. On the road to the twins, where everything will be cheerful and chipper. (laughs) In Rob's royal tent, the Tullys, they're talking shit about Walder Frey, and they are literally comparing him. To wet shits. Yeah. <laughs> they have taken. It's colorful stuff. They are completely ignorant to the trap that is being right. laid for them. Rob and Talisa, they are focused on other things, specifically pleasuring each other. They are making sweet <laughs> love on a furry, plush blanket that can't keep their hands off of each other. They both look phenomenal naked. They do. It must be said. And it's really sweet. They are genuinely in love. Talisa tells Rob that she is pregnant. She is carrying his child. Can you just take one night off from the war to lay with me, husband? What could go wrong? 
In King's Landing, Sansa tells her troubles to Marjorie. She doesn't want to marry Tyrion, and she's grappling with a painful awareness of her own naivete. Marjorie tells Sansa, hey, there are literally worse husbands right. that you could have. He's not that bad. And he's handsome. And I hear he can, you know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She probably talked to Roz. <laughs> Good with his hands and his tongue. Well, a little late on Roz. But Tyrion also has doubts about the union. Uh, he's grumbling to this about this with Bronn. Bronn tells him, ah, there's nothing to it. Marry Sansa, get a child with her, sleep with Shay. Best of both worlds. Joffrey, in a little peek, summons Tywin to the throne room. He's annoyed. Tywin seems to be making major, major decisions without the king's input. The Mad King also had this concern about Tywin. Joffrey asks about rumors from the east, Danny and her dragons. Tywin says, it's true. Don't worry about it. Uh, and then he adds this fantastic lawyerly line. From now on, I will make sure that you are consulted on all important matters whenever necessary. It's a lot of fine print. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who decides which are the important ones and when necessary? Anyway. Uh, and guess who else is pissed about Tyrion and Sansa's wedding? Shay. Hot take. Shay sucks. <laughs> Don't really care how she feels. Yeah. Uh, on the way to Dragonstone, Melisandre, meanwhile, sailing with Gendry a.k.a. her ivy bag of king's blood. They're making their way over the wreckage of Blackwater Bay. The Red Keep is looming in the distance, and she sends them to 23andMe.com, gives them a little <laughs> bio download. Your father was King Robert. This is a lot for the young man to process. Kind of cool info. Over in Yunkai in Slaver's Bay, Danny is marching on the city. Uh, she wants to conquer it. It's good practice, number one, for her army. And number two, there's 200,000 slaves in there, and she wants to free them. Uh, Jorah tries to talk her out of it, but she's not hearing it. Danny receives the Yunkish ambassador. Um, they're pretty eager to get her out of town. He offers to buy her off uh, ships in return for her leaving right now. She refuses, tells the ambassador that uh, Yunkai's slaves must be freed, or she will take the city. In the Riverlands, Arya Sulkin. She is not happy with how the Brotherhood is behaving. Gendry is gone. The Hound is free. She's pissed and she's telling them so. For the first time, Arya pledges herself, not to the Lord of right. Light, not to the Brotherhood, not to any true religion, to death. It's a powerful, kind of creepy, yeah. but awesome moment. And she seizes her moment when the Brotherhood is preparing to go meet and attack a, a band of Lannister scouts. She flees. And she gets about 12 skips right. before <laughs> the hound scoops her right you up. You can still see their torches in the, <laughs> in the mouth of the cave. And the hound has just been lurking out there, I guess. At Harrenhal, uh, Jamie says farewell to Brienne, who makes him swear to return the Stark girls to Cat. Jamie also says farewell to Roose Bolton. Roose is on his way to a wedding. The twins, Edmund Tully. Kind of strange then, for such a festive affair, that all Roos's men are sharpening their swords and getting their armor ready in the yeah. yard. That's a, a nor that's normal wedding attire. <laughs> a little weird. Uh, on the road away from Harrenhal, Jamie's getting to know Kyburn. Not a great guy, it turns out. Kyburn tells Jamie that Locke refused Brienne's father's ransom, a little thing about, you know, the Sapphire Islands being rich and, the, and her father's ransom not seeming to live up to that. This troubles Jamie. He returns to Harrenhal, where he finds Brienne fighting a bear in a bear pit. Jumps in, they fight the bear together, and escape. Finally, at the Dreadfort. Good things. Torture porn episode 13, actual porn. 
Ramsey sends two lovely ladies to seduce Theon, but of course, right. it is just a ruse. Our beautiful moment with Miranda's brief <laughs> and a diabolical escalation of Ramsey's schemes ensues. We hear the horn, <laughs> the dreaded horn, Theon's nemesis. Uh, and then Theon has something to fear much more than the honking horn because Ramsey cuts off little Theon. Tough. Really bad. Really, really not good. <laughs> really not good. Really not good. Really We've said tough about a lot of bad things, but that, that's yeah. really tough. Yeah. Jason, Lord Frey will take any delay as a slight, so let's keep right. it moving. Let's get to this episode's big idea. Let's cut right to the core of it. Stick it with the pointy end. The defining theme of this episode is thinking with your heart. Or maybe thinking with your Something other else. head. Also else. bad. Just thinking with the pointy end. A lot of bad decisions in this episode. Thinking with the loins. <laughs> Some good decisions in this episode, but many, many misguided <laughs> yes. ones. Most of the decisions that people are making are determined either by affection or hatred, but the decisions, they're all visceral in yeah. some way. They're not rational. They're not logical. They're not separate from emotion. More often than not, that is a recipe for getting a crossbow bolt to the heart Ugh. or a knife to the baby. So <sighs> let's run through some of the thinking with your heart, flawed or inspired yeah. decisions that these characters made. John and Egrete. Yeah. They're thinking with the whole kind of the heart, body, the whole thing they're thinking with, but not too much with the head. They're bantering about battle tactics on the way to... Uh, south to attack Castle Black. Why do the why do the bannermen hold the banners? And then how do they fight? And when the drums are pounding, like what do the drummers do? Why do you even need the drums? It's charming, but it's also um, you know there's pain there because this is this unbridgeable cultural divide. Uh, John is was born in a castle, well raised in a castle among lords and ladies, and Egret is a wildling. Um, and Aurel is the warg is only too happy to point this out. People work together when it suits them. They're loyal when it suits them. They love each other when it suits them, and they kill each other when it suits them. She knows it. You don't, which is why you'll never oh, hold on to her. Man, brutal stuff. Aurel, Aurel the warg. What? He's also kind of right. He is right. A lot of truth telling, uh, you know, by guys who are about to die. <laughs> Egret gets the real talk from Aurel too. He, he's trying to convince uh, both. Egret and John that to think rationally. This is not going to work, you guys. You were just a brother of the Night's Watch uh, three days ago. You know, he wants them to realize their pairing is doomed, and because the, I mean, there's a couple of reasons. One, he wants Egret for himself, and also he's a savage dude who tried to kill them on the wall. Cut him loose. Cut him loose. Uh, and they don't take him very seriously, even though he's making good points. Or else, says to Egret, "You think he loves you? Is that it? You should be with one of your own. You like his pretty." Pretty eyes, you think pretty's gonna make you happy? You won't love him so much when you find out what he really is. He's, you know, he's Jon Snow's brother in Night's Watch. She knows, believe me, she knows. Uh, this charming back and forth that kind of dots the episode comes to a head when they're gazing at a windmill. Who built this? What? And they start talking about silky dresses. John, John says, Maybe one day I'll take you to Winterfell. <laughs> Great move, dude. <laughs> was like, what a line. <laughs> Do you use that on all ladies? 
I agree. Maybe one day I'll take you to my dad's house. <laughs> yeah. That's sexy. It's amazing. His mansion. It's great. And Agreed says, or oh, maybe one day I'll take you there after we've taken our land back. Love it. John, Agreed, you won't win. I know your people are brave. No one denies that. Six times in the last thousand years, a king beyond the walls attacked the kingdoms. Six times they've failed. And it breaks his heart to say this. And you know, he loves her. He wants to keep her safe. But this is true. Although it's not, it's not the whole story. Kings beyond the wall have actually gotten past the wall. It's just they haven't gotten out of the north. Blah, 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 blah. John is trying to make the point, same point he was making with the bannermen and the, and the drummers and stuff, that southern armies have a discipline to them. They are drilled on how to fight in mass with in masses with uh, you know mixed units with cavalry with archers how to lock shields when to advance blah 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 blah. The wildlings don't know how to do this stuff, and John's trying to explain it to me. You don't have the discipline. You don't have the training. Your army is no army. You don't know how to fight, and she's trying to argue with me. You don't know that. I do know that. If you attack the wall, you'll die, all of you. And Egret puts the little period on it. All of us. <sighs> Come on, John. <laughs> And she tells him, you're mine and I'm yours. And if we die, we die. But first we'll live. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. So like, this is really sad. Really fucking yeah. sad. They're doomed. They are so doomed. Oh, nothing gold can stay. It's true. No wildling love can last. They also start making out like right yeah. after this, he, like so. He grabs her by the hem of her fur garment and pulls her forward. Just want to be clear for the listeners, given some of our recent discussions, yeah. when you say he grabs her by the fur, you literally right. mean, you mean her fur coat. <laughs> right, right. Speaking of fur, Rob and Talisa, doomed lovers, if, if, ever, if ever doomed lovers have entered our lives, it's raining, guys. It's raining on the road, and Talisa is towel-drying Rob's hair yeah. after they've come in from the rain. It is so adorable and really just really sad. This whole episode yeah. is fucking sad, man. None of these people can be together. They are sickeningly in love, right? They... Blackfish, Cat, Edmure, they're all like, dude, right, well, Walter's yeah. not going to be happy. This is a delay. He's impatient. Remember all that stuff right. about how we were on the clock here? Like, And he's just like, guys, sleep on it. Let's clear the tent for a second. We guy. should all get some sleep. Yeah. And literally, before Cat has even left, he and Talisa are making out. Yep. He's thinking with the wrong head right now. Again, we have to say, in fairness... They both look. They look fantastic. Exceptional. What a good looking couple this is. <laughs> so who can blame them? Yeah. Who can blame them? But. How am I supposed to fight a war with this going on? <laughs> what is he? I forget what exactly he says, but it's something along those lines. How am I supposed to sit here planning a war when you're over there looking <laughs> yeah. like that? Right. So that's what I was just going to say. Like, they love each other. They can't keep their hands it's off each cute. other. It's too cute, but it's also completely fucking ruining his mission here. He yeah. should be planning how he's gonna sweet talk Walter Frey get back in his good graces how he's gonna then use the troops that he gets from the phrase to reclaim Casterly Rock but instead he's focused on love he's focused on sex and it doesn't get any easier to return his attention to the war once Talisa tells him she's writing a letter to her mother and he's asking questions so she yeah. know you're a queen you know oh that'll be a right. surprise lots of surprises oh what else well I'm carrying your child she is pregnant he is <sighs> totally overcome. Yeah. It's really beautiful and sweet. She's worried that he'll be angry because there's other stuff going on. And he <laughs> he's it. he's just, of course, right. too dumb to realize that he should be maybe angry. And by the way, that's when you go home. Right. Because like you can't have your pregnant wife in the field, dude. 
Let's- as we see, <laughs> as we will soon see, right? Yeah. And she says, you know, they're they're sharing Antenna Roman. She says, can you leave the war for one night? And he says, I love you. Do you hear me? I love you. And they kiss. They touch each other's beautiful hair. The right answer there was no, Rob. <laughs> the right answer was no. I have a very important bit of business here to focus on. But <sighs> love is love. Yeah. Sansa is a kind of cool um, moment of self-realization. She grows up a little bit here um, in that scene with Marjorie as she's watching the ships kind of sail away. She realizes that she grew up wanting to live in the capital, you know, like the, she, the way she describes seeing the lights glimmering in the, in the windows of the capital. She talks about herself the way we always yes. talk about her. Uh, and, she, you know, surrounded by knights and candles and fancy things and lords and ladies. And she realizes that it's a sham. It's really a sham. And she says, you know, I'm stupid. I'm a stupid little girl with stupid dreams who never learns. Um, it's a short-lived moment of self-awareness, though, because she then reveals herself to be a totally shallow person who's upset about marrying Tyrion because he's a dwarf with a scarred face. She's absolutely shocked at the idea that she might have to have sex with him as his wife. Thankfully, the show provides a little comic relief with uh, Marjorie uh, <laughs> telling Sansa about stuff. He's rather good looking, even with the scar, especially with the scar. And then most women don't know what they like until they've tried it. And sadly, so many of us get to try so little before we're old and gray. Tyrion may surprise you. From what I've heard, he's quite experienced. Sansa, like, derp, 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 derp. <laughs> and that's a good thing? <laughs> Uh, and Marjorie says, yeah, it can be, sure. Uh, we're very complicated, you know. Pleasing us takes practice. Not if you're Jon Snow. <laughs> Sansa, how do you know all this? Did your mother teach you? Oh, my God. And Marjorie looks at her with this oh my God. total pity. Oh, my God. The pity is absolute and deep <laughs> and goes as far as the eye can see. And then she says, yes, my sweet girl, my mother taught me. All right. How, so how about that experienced guy? Yeah. How about Tyrion? Well, right. He is. It's true. He's thinking with his heart. We we trust Tyrion typically to be rational, to make yes. smart decisions, to see the board. But he is in love with Shay. Simple as that. And he is fighting against the Sansa match for many reasons, but mostly because he's worried about Shay. Yeah. Right. Bronn tells him, snap the fuck. Yeah, what are you doing, dude? Out of it. You got a maid. <laughs> Wed one, yeah. bed the other. You'll have two women in a kingdom of your own. Tyrion says, two women to despise me in a kingdom to join them. This is a great line and yeah. a great bit of wisdom from Bronn. You waste time trying to get people to love you. You'll wind up the most popular dead man in town. Bronn, what a font of wisdom this Incredible. guy is. Focus on this shit that matters, right? He then shifts from, you know, sage philosopher back to the crude Bronn we know yeah. and love. You want to fuck that Stark girl. You just don't want to admit it. And Tyrion says, I don't pay you to put evil notions in my head. Then Bronn says, you pay me to kill people that bother you. The evil notions come free. Later, Tyrion goes to see Shay, who is being just a whiny baby. You yeah. know, how you don't have your gold chains. So you want to fuck her? <laughs> and Tyrion. I see. He's talking about babies. Yeah. He's talking about a life together. He is tragically making the same mistake for the second time in his life. He is truly and fully falling in love with someone who he can never be with. And Shay, she's upset, but she's also giving him a hard truth that he needs to hear. I'm your whore. And when you're tired of fucking me, I will be 
nothing. Tywin and Joffrey, what a scene Love uh, this. between those two. Tywin, all the little subtle dominance moves, the way he, just his whole demeanor when he walks in, the way he mounts the, the pedestal to the throne and stands there for a second. Not a man who likes being summoned. No, he doesn't like it at all. And <laughs> just, you know, uh, the way he lords over him says, you know, we can get you carried. <laughs> that sounds great, by the way. Yeah, but the 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 truly interesting, almost shocking moment about Tywin is just kind of his short-sightedness where he finds out, where he tells Joffrey about the dragons. Yes, they're real. And then, but then- Hand waves. Absolutely discounts them as a concern. This is uh, quite surprising for a guy like Tywin and and rooted in, um, who knows, perhaps his his confidence in his prior victory over the Targaryens, just like the completeness of it. And also his dismissal of anything that he can't grapple with in the real world. Right. You know, he's a lot like Tyrion in that way. Tywin says, curiosities on the far side of the world are no threat to us. Interesting role reversal here where Joff is right, essentially. Like, shouldn't we shouldn't we be concerned dragons. about this? Seems like a big deal. <clears throat> yeah, a, a Targaryen has three dragons. Do she we... just signed three five-star recruits. <laughs> yeah, do we want to think about this at all? And then, you know, he says, how do we know these curiosities are not the beasts that brought the whole world to heal? Tywin, because we have been told as much by the many experts who serve the realm by counseling the king on matters which he knows nothing. You know, Tywin is like, Joffrey, listen, you don't know jack shit. You started a fucking civil war that we had to clean up. Now shut up, sit on the throne and look good and let me deal with this. So uncommon yeah. for Tywin to not be thinking fully rationally about how big of a deal that really yeah. is. But Slaver's Bay is a long way away. It's true. So let's let's go to Slaver's yeah. Bay for a second. Let's talk about Danny. She has arrived in Yunkai and Jorah is concerned. Yeah. He says, you don't need it. Right. You don't need this city. Taking it will not bring you closer to the Iron Throne, right? She asks him, well, how many slaves are there here? And he says 200,000, if not more. And she says, then we have 200,000 reasons to take the city. Thinking with the heart. What if she had listened to Jorah there? It's interesting. Okay. First of all, far fewer seasons in Marine. Yeah. So there's that. She is committed. This is really when she fully becomes the breaker of chains. Right. You know, she's earning one of those... Titles, 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 titles. Title, title. You know the damn word. She's thinking with her heart in a way that is very noble. Yep. That shows the gentle heart that yes. Jorah is always saying that she has, but is also taking her ultimately further off course, further away from her actual chief ambition. And then when she summons the Yunkish master to meet with her, he, what does he try to do? He's trying to think rationally. He's right. saying, okay. What does she need? She needs ships. She needs money. Let me offer it Great. up. And what a deal. Like, it was not that long ago that she all she wanted all was she the wanted. ships. All she That's wanted. That's it. Gives her some gold and says, there's more waiting for you. She'll have as many ships as you require. All we ask is that you make use of these ships to sail back to Westeros where you belong. Leave us to conduct yeah. our affairs in peace. Again, <laughs> we are forced to wonder, what if she had just yeah. done this, right? One look, though, one look at the crouching slaves behind the Yunkish master, and she is fully focused anew on her task, right? I have a gift for you as well, she yeah. says, your life. Now, 
I've had plenty of moments where I questioned Danny's judgment. Right. That is fucking it dope. Great. That is great. That is just completely awesome. Yeah. Also, she's switched into the new, like the cream right. dress. She looks phenomenal. She looks she's got some freckles popping on her yeah. cheeks from her time out in the sun. <laughs> she looks amazing. She's got her Kingsguard behind her. She's in the the dragons. The queenie t- They're hanging the out. Royal tent. She looks great. And then, you know, Drogon goes completely apeshit yeah. here, screeches, oh, you promised me safe conduct. Right. The dragons didn't promise you anything. In the book, right? <laughs> yeah. In the book, dude literally shits himself. He shits himself. Literally shits himself. I mean, who wouldn't? Out of terror. Pretty great. <laughs> hey, guys. Just a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Live stream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today. And now, back to binge mode. In the expedition to north of the wall with Bran and Osha and Jojen and Mira and Hodor, of course, uh, Osha is thinking with her heart. She's just been told that their mission is to go beyond the wall, find this three-eyed raven, and she doesn't want to go because she is fleeing there, fleeing for her life. She's seen what the White Walkers bring. Um, she talks about Bruni and his and how he uh, died and came back as a white and attacked her and how she had to burn all her possessions just to put him down. Um, but Bran and Jojen, they're not hearing that. They understand that that's where Bran's destiny awaits. That's where a lot of the fate of this world hinges on Bran going to this place. And Jojen says they're not going to Castle Black. Bran needs to find the raven. Bran says, well, I, you know, I don't have my legs anymore. This is what I have now. Ugh. Bran is so much more tuned in really than really anyone else. He just, yeah. he, he accepts what is happening to him yeah. in a way that is really inspiring. Theon not accepting what's happening to him, oh. and nor, nor should he, right? <sighs> really just tough times for Theon. quickly run through what happens here, just very quickly. So he's tied up, you know, he's on his torture cross. And in comes Violet and Miranda. Oh. We'll spend a lot of time with Miranda. Yes, we will. They start to give him some water, dress his wounds. And he know, right away, He's he like, knows. Yeah. Where is he? That's right. He He's Where somewhere. Is he? Yeah. He, he, too good to be true. Yeah. This has to be a trap, right? He's still got enough of himself inside of him to realize this is a plot. He's right. resisting for as long as he can. But then they get naked and start kissing each right. other. And then Miranda climbs on him and starts grinding. And, you know, a our, man can only. Our producer, Zach, was like, why didn't Theon just uh, push him off? <laughs> it's like, dude, the guy's been tied to a freaking crucifix for like weeks, yeah. shitting himself. He's got <laughs> screw holes in his feet. His, <laughs> his finger has no skin on it. And God knows what else has been going on. It's about to get a lot worse for the boy. It is because. As soon as he cracks and starts getting into right. it. He, enjoy, he enjoys it for one second. <laughs> that horn. Yikes. Hello, Ramsey. Goodbye, little Theon. What is dead may never die. <laughs> really tough. Uh, in case the innuendo and euphemisms are not clear, uh, Ramsey cuts off Theon's penis. Yeah. And I think everything. A lot of castration on this show. Yeah. I just, you know, you wonder about the medical care there. Oh. Was this just boiled wine? They're just going to pour boiled wine on the thing? It's just consulting Kyburn's notes. Yeah, you know? like, well, yeah. Mm. I've right. seen this before. <laughs> I've done this before. <laughs> I know, right? Ramsey seems to think he's given Theon a gift. 
Danny wants the Yunkish to know that if they reject her gift, she will show them no mercy. Now that our Khaleesi is getting into the thick of it in another city in Asos, it is time for us to learn more about the history, the practices, the politics, the culture of this area. So let's assemble the conclave. Let's head to the Citadel. Teach us everything we need to know about Slaver's Bay. Beautiful Slaver's Bay by the Bay of Sighs. Millions of human lives ground up into nothing. Slaver's Bay. Great town. Uh, It's actually a collection of three cities. Thousands of years ago, let's go back in time, thousands of years ago, while the Valerian Freehold, um, the homeland of the Targaryens, was still on the upswing. They had a regional rival directly to their east. And these were three cities of the Giscari Empire. They vied for supremacy in the region, fought a bunch of wars. Went well for the Giscari for a little while, but Valeria, you know, they had those dragons, Valerian steel. Giscari, they didn't have that. So Valeria conquered the area. It's about 5,000 years ago, raised the Giscari capital of Old Geese and began colonizing the region. Fast forward to the doom of Valeria. So you've got these colonies, these cities on Slaver's Bay populated by Valerians. Valeria is no more. The cities break free of centralized rule, become independent states onto their own with Valerian as their language. The interesting thing about this is despite being you know, actually Valerian, the post-doom citizens of Slaver's Bay adopted many of the cultural accoutrements of the old Giscari Empire. It's kind of a weird thing. You know, they, they styled themselves as Giscari, the people they essentially vanquished. And a lot of the local patois, so to speak, the, the Valerian speech of the region is peppered with Giscari loanwords, such as Misa, which is mother. We're going to hear that a lot when we hear people refer to Danny. Um, so there's some irony in that. You know, the descendants of Valeria who conquered the Giscari with dragons have since wrapped themselves in the trappings of Giscari culture and are now being conquered by a Valerian with dragons. Valeria was a slave-holding empire, and they passed that odious business down to their colonies. There are three cities that make up the Greater Slavers Bay metro area. Astapor, where Danny got her unsullied. Yunkai, a.k.a. the Yellow City, uh, the smallest of the three, famed for its pleasure houses and fighting pits. And Marine, the largest, which we'll get to and spend a lot. Boy, will we get to Marine. A lot of time at Marine. Spent a lot of time there. So the slave trade of basically the entire known world, indirectly or directly, is related to Slaver's Bay. Passes through there. Either the slaves are passed through there. uh, The Thraki bring the slaves to Slaver's Bay and they're circulated throughout the world or they come up from Sotheros. It's an important area for the slave trade. It's the hub of it. It's the heart of it. Um, and that's the important context to why uh, the Yunkish ambassador is like, hey, uh, take the ships and leave. Because it's not just that Danny wants to conquer the area. Her presence as a freer of slaves is very unsettling to the slave masters. You know, the slaves are going to hear about this. They're going to get hope. They're going right. to think, oh, maybe if I kill my master, I can jump the wall and just be out there with Danny or, you know, like what if we, so they're fearing uprisings from within a significant percentage of the populations of a lot of the cities of these, not just Slaver's Bay, but basically all the free cities too, except for Bravos are slaves. And so Danny is, you know, Danny really threatens that not just the economy, but the whole culture and the lives of the people who have made their, their living off of slaves. So, the last thing these rulers want is Danny around. They want her to leave. They want her to leave right now. But she's not going to. No, she isn't. No, she isn't, guys. 
All right, Maester. Yeah. She wants to know if she's invited to Tyrion's wedding. Am I invited to your wedding? Can I uh, come? <laughs> it is time to head not only to Tyrion's wedding, but yeah. to the Sept, to bathe in the light of the Seven, sharing seven of our favorite insights and observations from this episode, lightning round style. You go first. Uh, Shay, when their little conversation about the wedding says to Tyrion, why don't we go back to where I came from? Why don't we go across the narrow sea? And he says, what should I do there? Juggle? A little book nod for book readers there. Not sad about not spending all that time juggling. Number two, Cat. This is savage to her own brother to yes. say this about about Frey when Edmure's basically like, you know, he'll be fine if we're a little late. He's getting the right. wedding he wants. He's getting a wedding. What he wanted was a yeah. king. Rude. Also true, yeah. and we don't usually consider Kat to be the person espousing this wisdom and this insight, but she knows. She has the measure of Lord Frey better than any of these other yeah. people. He's not just suddenly okay with everything. The Freys have been locked out of a lot of uh, portentous marriages over the years. They tried to marry a Targaryen quite comically back in the days gone by, and you know here is Walder on the cusp of... His grandchild being a king or a queen or princess, something. King in the north. All right, number three. Tormund <laughs> giving, giving sex ed out here. Most men fuck like dogs. No grace, no skill. You need to be patient. Give her time. Your cock shouldn't go near her till she's slick like a baby seal. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking savage, Tormund. Oh, really hard to look at baby seals the same way. <laughs> After hearing you do that. <laughs> wow. Number four, Shay. We've brought her up a lot. This is really, oh man, this is the episode where she just gets a little too annoying for me personally. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not here for it. Right. But she does have a legitimate point when Tyrion's basically like, you know, yeah. it's fine. Like, yeah, sure, I'll be married to her. But like, I'll come home to you. And she's like, all right, you'll be married to her. While I empty her chamber pot and lick your cock when you're bored. Damn. I mean, slight oversimplification of what it would be, but not really. Essentially, not what, really. essentially what Braun put on the table as the best possible situation. <laughs> right. Gendry, with a little foreshadowing of his uh, constant sea journeys, he sails by King's Landing with that intense dramatic music. Melisandre is telling him, your father was King Robert. Uh, when are we getting the payoff? When are we going to find out where that dude is? He's gotta have, his upper body strength has got to be amazing by now. Oh, my God. So much rowing. <laughs> I just want Gendry and Arya to sync up again. They were so good together. I really want that. Yeah, they were fantastic together. We'll have to do like a power ranking of reunions we want to yeah. see, but that's up there for me. Yeah. Number six, Beric and Arya having a chat. And Beric says the red god is the one true god. Yeah. You've seen his power, right? She's seen Thoros raise Beric from the dead. What he commands, we obey. Beric is still trying to explain how they could let the hound go, how they could let Melisandre take Gendry, how they could be justifying the decisions yeah. that they're making. Arya says he's not my one true god. No. Who's yours? Death. Wow. When she says Chills. this, when she says this, the look on Beric's face. Yeah. This is a dude who has seen some shit. Yeah. He has been brought back from the dead multiple times. Yeah. He is disturbed yeah. in this moment. You can see it all over his face. He is haunted, and we are too. In Rob's tent, talking about Walder Frey, Blackfish comes up with a great metaphor for Walder Frey. 
I've seen wet shits I like better than Walder Frey. Yeah, don't underestimate those wet shits, my guy. All right, we have stymied the corruption. The corruption. And that means we can move on to handing out our champion's purse. Each episode, we are honoring the person who played the game, advanced his or her cause, did something awesome. And this week, no contest. The winner of our champion's purse easily is... Jamie Lannister. What an episode. We did not talk about him in the pointy end because we knew we would be going deep here on his arc in this episode. But Jamie certainly followed his heart. Yeah. He certainly followed his heart. In his case, though, it actually paid off. This is the rare case we're doing that was was wise or at least not damaging. He becomes a hero here. It took three seasons and seven episodes, but... This is what an incredible reversal of a character who was a like a dastardly villain, child murdering, attempted child murdering villain. And fucks his own sister. Fucks his own <laughs> sister, kills a bunch of dudes. All of a sudden you're like, wow, I like this guy. When he goes to say goodbye to Brienne and Heron Hall, the exchange. Yeah. Again, we've talked about a lot of really touching moments that are romantic in nature in this episode. This one is not romantic, but is it's as poignant and as powerful as any of the others. He says, I owe you a debt. Brienne says, when Catelyn Stark released you, we both made a promise to her. Now it's your promise. You gave your word. Keep it and consider mm. the debt paid. And Jamie says, I will return the Stark girls to their mother. I swear it. What does Brienne say in response? Goodbye, Sir Jamie. Jamie. She uses... Sir Jamie. This is the woman who's been calling him Kingslayer nonstop, (laughs) even after he completely opened his heart in the bath. And this is it. This is the moment where she uses his name. And he literally is on on the verge of tears. He actually can't bring himself to speak again. He nods and he turns and goes. It is a really, really beautiful moment. I love the little moment with Lord Roose Bolton. And he says to Jamie as he's departing, you will give my regards to Lord Tywin, I trust. Then Jamie says, you know, tell Rob Stark, I'm sorry I couldn't make his uncle's wedding. The Lannisters send their regards. It makes you, almost makes you wonder, does yeah. Jamie know? It's, it's an eye-raising I, I don't think I don't think he does. It's like it would be impossible for him really to know, but I think it just, it's stuck in his head, certainly. It's stuck in Roose's head. Absolutely. Yeah. There's also a great exchange between Kyburn. Jamie and Kyburn on the road. You know, Kyburn Kyburn's mending his stump. And Jamie manages to to reveal, to get yeah. Kyburn to reveal quite a bit about yeah. his own past, his experiments. What did he do? Why was he actually robbed of his chain? Not just because he was, quote, too bold. Too bold. He was cutting yeah. open living men who were about, sure, about to yeah. die. But he was he was experimenting. Right. Kyburn tells Jamie yeah. that Locke is not accepting Sullen Tarth, Brienne's father, his offer, his ransom offer, 300 gold dragons, fair price, right? Because why? He, Locke, thinks that Brienne's father right. has all the sapphires in the world. That's why it's called the Sapphire Islands. This is Jamie's fault, right? Yeah. So there's some level of guilt right. and responsibility yeah. here, but also when Kyburn basically says to him, Gonna, she's their entertainment she's their for entertainment, the night. Right. They're at war. And then after the night, who knows? They're not really they're men at war. Yeah, they're men at they war. They don't really care about the money right. anymore. They're not thinking about that. She's their entertainment for the night. Th- at that point, his genuine concern for right. Brienne kicks in and he demands right away, take me back to Harrenhal, his protectors. And eh, no, you know, I'm supposed to take you to King's right. Landing. Well, 
you want a reward from, from my right. dad? Because right. I can either tell him you cut my hand off or you saved my life. Right. Up to you, bud. They head right back. And as soon as he's there, he literally jumps into a bear pit to fight for Brienne's safety. It's really cool. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's really amazing. You, this is something you would never expect from Jamie four episodes ago, last season, certainly. It's just absolutely incredible. How many people alive would he do this for? Cersei, Joffrey, certainly the children, and Brienne. Maybe Tyrion. He'd do it for Tyrion. Yeah, he'd Come do on. it for Tyrion. I mean, so that's it. He does Tyrion a pretty good solid sure. later on. <laughs> His dad? Uh, yeah, I think out of a sense, I don't think he would take as much satisfaction in it. And I certainly think if that if that happened, Tywin would not thank him. Right. <laughs> Short list. Right. And then afterwards, after he rescues her, rescues her, gets her out of the bear pit, um, you then have to get her out of this mob of angry Boltons whose entertainment you've ruined now twice. Um, and he says, you know, I'm taking her back to King's Landing unless you kill me. What do you think is more important to Lord Bolton? Getting his pet rat a reward or making sure Tywin Lannister gets his son back? By the way, real brave of Jamie mouthing off to Locke again. Yes. When they are leaving. There's a moment as the credits yeah. are about to roll when Brienne kind of just looks, looks side. She doesn't say anything, but she kind of looks, looks sideways at Jamie. And it's, it's like she's truly, even, she, even she used his name earlier, but right there, she's seeing him for the first time. Yeah. And their bond is sealed. And, you know, so is the audience's affection for him. Their it's, relation, it's these duos, these little relationships, unexpected relationships that make this so show good. and book so good. So, so good. So, so good. All right. I like to think that we have a good duo going I here. I think so. You know, guys. You pay us to binge for you. That's right. The evil notions come free. We hope that you had as much fun as we did today and that you will join us again next time when we will be discussing season three, episode eight, Second Sons, Dario come into my life at last. Hot Dario. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, no. You're not, on, you're not down on Fabio Dario? No, no, <laughs> no. We can have a full on <laughs> argument about this. I'm all in on number two. Until then, guys, remember, most women don't know what they like. Until they've tried it. Did your mother teach you that? Let me tell you what I do. Bear. You know where the bear is weakest? They're weak in the neck. Get him in the neck. That wooden sword. Kill this bear. <laughs>